0: Welcome to the TEH, the Tech Enthusiast Hour podcast where several hosts talk about what they find interesting in tech. The show notes for this episode are at tehpodcast.com slash TEH63. This week we have three hosts. I'm Randy Cassingham, founder of ThisIsTrue.com, the oldest entertainment feature on the internet, and the internet spam primer helping you get your inbox back.
1: And I'm Gary Rosenzweig. I'm the host and producer at MacMost.com help you get the most from your Mac. And then I do WordPress stuff too, WPTipsAndHacks.com, and I make mobile games as well, clevermedia.com.
2: And I'm Leo Notenboom, the Leo behind AskLeo.com, where I help everyday folks with their computer and technical problems, including getting back to my better microphone. Hopefully I sound better this week, guys. You sound good. <clears throat> awesome. Awesome. So yeah, that was uh, basically the big difference. I was surprised. Um, I did go back and listen to that episode very briefly, and I was shocked uh, at how tinny that uh, that headset sounded. So I ended up, uh, it's been relegated to the basement. It's no longer in the, uh,
1: <laughs> the available drawer of tools. You don't want it to be tempted by it. You want it to be in another room. completely. There's
2: just no point in it even taking up space anywhere that matters, you know? So this is better. Uh, the, uh, the, the consensus seems to be that I need to do a better job of talking into the mic. One of the things that um, didn't realize from last time or last couple of times is that uh, I have a standing desk and I was standing and I think that I was simply moving out of range periodically.
1: Mm. Could be, Could
2: be it. So, so what's been going on guys? I had a, Te- decidedly non techie weekend i ended up helping people uh, learn how to pull trailers uh, which was interesting for the nonprofit that i volunteer for we're sometimes dealing with uh, pulling animals around in their horse trailers and such among along with the equipment trailers and not everybody can uh, back a trailer around a corner and uh, apparently i can having done so with my uh, my travel trailer for many years
0: well i know i can't no i can't either no <laughs> idea <laughs>
2: It's funny, I mentioned to one of the folks we were working with that um, spatial reasoning right you either have it or you don't, and uh, it's it's at least that's the way it seems, and the people that have it certainly did a did a much better job than those who
0: apparently didn't so you're saying you're spatial and i'm reasonable
1: i I recently had to teach a teenager how to parallel park and mm. The Well, the interesting thing is, it's like, no problem. I'm really good at parallel parking. I will show you what I do. As soon as I had to explain it, suddenly I was horrible at parallel parking. Right. <laughs> it was like, okay, so you do um, – hmm, I you just – oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Let me try it again. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what is wrong? It's like, it's, you know, it, just, it becomes like this natural thing that you do, and you don't think about all the steps. And as soon as you have to, you have to reason it out bit by bit,
2: <laughs> it gets really complicated when you're backing up trailers because oh, imagine. the concept of right and left get really confused really quickly because you're turning one way so that the trailer goes the other way, but you're turning the wheel the opposite way of that even. I mean, it's just – I ended up um, deciding that uh, clockwise and counterclockwise were the best way to describe how I wanted people to turn the wheel, and that seemed to, uh, to do it. Left and right became ambiguous very quickly.
0: But can you – parallel park a trailer Uh, i have not i've never tried that (laughs) i've never tried
2: that my guess is maybe i stand a good good chance of being able to do it because i think i've done some uh, some you know difficult maneuvers
0: like that but uh, if there's enough room sure (laughs) all right so gary you go to the movies more than anybody i know except maybe kevin and he's not here so
1: I don't even go to the movies as much as I used to I used to go to the movies a lot but uh, you know one of the one of the things that parenthood changes about um, but I did see a movie of interest this week did either of you guys see it uh, the Apollo 11 film
0: no I haven't seen it yet no. I haven't either it's,
1: I'm it's looking forward to it it's really well done it follows the modern documentary style much like the World War one movie I talked about several weeks ago of there's no narration. At all. It's just footage. And they put in, there's news clippings, you know, there's Walter Cronkite saying this or that, or there's a little bit like of an interview with somebody, but it's all the original video. So they didn't record any new narration for it. And it's just chronological order going through, piecing together a story from all of it. And then the big thing is that, you know, it's all remastered footage. They remastered tons of film. And it was, for the most part, film that they had from the Apollo 11 mission uh, and that went into the, into the archives. And then a, a another crew a, a, a movie team put together a movie from it. And it's, you know, I had to see it in the theater before, you know, uh, cause I wanted to see it on the big screen. I wanted to see what we're used to seeing is grainy, you know, TV footage. I wanted to see what it looked like uh, super high resolution and it was great. It was fascinating to watch and it really puts you in the moment. Uh, and I'm just a little bit too young to actually have witnessed it when it, when it happened. Uh,
0: I do remember it and it was, it was amazing. And, uh, when I saw first man, know, a couple months ago, right. it really, I saw that in the theater because, you know, you had to, and the, the moon footage was so realistic from what I know from, uh working at NASA and what I know from just studying this stuff, it just felt like it was there. It was just incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This was, this was uh, I mean, I'm sure that looked a lot better than, than the old footage here, but it was, um, it was neat to see and learned a few things about how the whole mission worked that I hadn't known before from everything I'd read. Um, So definitely if you like space stuff, it's a great opportunity to, to see that. And with all a lot of the hype too, a lot of times you see Apollo eleven stuff and it's all about the space race and you know uh the the shared moment of everybody you know on earth watching on you know live television all that this was much more just here's the footage here's what happened um and it's amazing how many cameras they must have had you know during this mission that were that were just taking film that they didn't even see until you know it got they got recovered it or whatever and developed the film it it was not. Like today, where we have digital video and everything's being broadcast in real time and all.
0: You know, I, I think what people didn't really know is how dangerous this really was. I mean, I they talked about it, and you know, the Apollo One crew died in the fire, but they actually didn't think they had a really good chance of pulling this off and coming home alive. Yeah, um, one of the things that uh, when they were on the moon. Um, Aldrin wanted to sleep on the floor because it was flat. And when he got down on the floor, he saw this black piece of plastic on the floor. He said, what the heck is that? It turned out to be the button for the circuit breaker to arm the ascent engine. And they were, you know, he, he told uh, Mission Control, this is what's going on. And they had to uh, figure out Stuff they had there, and, and what what he used was a felt pen because that didn't have any metal with it, to jam it in there and press the circuit breaker in to arm it. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, um, Nixon's speechwriter, William Sapphire, wrote a memo for Nixon to, to deliver entitled, In Event of Moon Disaster, and it's Nixon's speech to the nation to uh, announce that uh, Armstrong and Aldrin are going to die because they can't get off the, off the moon, so I mean, all these things that they planned for and had contingency plans—it's just incredible what they had to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, uh, it, yeah, it was just an amazing mission that all around that they all so many parts that they you know hadn't really known (laughs) yeah would would work i mean they did you know you don't hear a lot about apollo 9 and apollo 10 um right you know where they apollo 10 they actually started the descent you know that but i mean that was the plan close too yeah they got like fifty thousand feet above the surface of the moon that was the mission then they went back to the capsule and went back home and it was like the test run um and it's uh you know so it's kind of interesting that they did that um but you know it's part of the planning that goes into it. But yeah, it's and uh, Apollo
0: Nine. There was just a documentary about that I saw on PBS, where that was the mission just to do the trajectory to the moon and back. Can they do that? yeah I thought that was Apollo Eight. Apollo Eight made it around the moon, didn't they?
1: Yeah, I think uh, they both. I, I'm trying to remember what the difference was. There I was. was trying to Apollo-
2: understand, I was trying to remember the difference between eight and nine because I know eight. Eight. You 8 know, the, the photograph, the first the right, Earthrise photograph came from Apollo Eight. Apollo Eight's um,
1: the first time we left orbit. Yeah, and so we went out to the moon. I think. Oh, I think maybe it was Apollo Eight. They slingshotted around the moon and back. And Apollo Nine, they or, they went into moon orbit. Uh, they went to moon orbit. Sense. Yeah, and uh, so Eight was the first time that yeah they turned the camera on to yep. the Earth from a, that you could actually capture it as a globe, um, and that was on Christmas Eve. Right, That's and right. Uh, so that was a, a big moment, and that they they credit that as the beginning of um, the modern environmental. Uh, all the modern environmental movements started that mm-hmm. night when we first saw our Earth as a small object in space. So interesting, yeah. But
2: uh, it's funny because semi-related to that, I finally <clears throat> I went ahead and snagged a copy of. Um, the pale blue dot picture that um, Carl Sagan talks to, where they was it Voyager? They had turn around. No, it was Cassini. I think they had turn around and take a oh, picture. It Voyager. Was it Voyager? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I've got that as one of the photographs on my uh, my rotating screensaver. Yeah. It's like
0: one pixel is there. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's just one. And in reality, um, you know, it's not even that right. It's the, the size of the earth would be microscopic even on these pictures. It's that the light was bright enough to light up a pixel. Right. So just incredible. Yeah.
0: Cool. All right. Well, one other thing is next week, we're going to be doing the podcast from Denver Live, no, not live, but we'll be together because we're doing a meetup in Denver. I'll put the URL for that on the show page if you guys can, you guys listener and and uh, the ladies too, want to come out to uh, meet us and see us. We're hosting a meetup in Denver on April 2nd, which is a Tuesday.
1: Yep.
2: yep. Right, we're not right. very yeah, scary. Okay. Really, we aren't. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it should be good. We already got a bunch of people signed up. Beautiful uh, room, of course. Uh, people Denver probably, if you're in the tech industry, you know the comments on Champa, which is right across the street from the Performing Arts uh, Center in Denver, where all the musicals and plays and symphony and all that are. And um, and yeah, who knows? We may have the meetup, and it'll still be early when the meetup's over. It may, we may end up going to a uh, place for a drink afterwards? Maybe. And I
2: believe that, uh, you know, all three of us will be there. And I actually think uh, Kevin will be back in time for that too.
1: Yeah, Kevin will be there. And, and for our, our next show, we'll, we'll be doing a, show, a regular show next week, just the night before that. Right. And, uh, yeah.
0: So, so it was Tuesday, April 2nd at 7 p.m. Yep. And check the URL and sign up if you're in the area.
1: Oh, and there's going to be pizza.
0: Yeah, what kind?
1: uh it's uh, new york style okay flat you know i'll get a variety <laughs> flat <laughs> Well, <laughs> no, what thin thin is what i'm trying with to lumps say. on it not deep not deep a deep dish it'll be thin crust uh american pizza yeah
0: and and you're hosting it cuz you're the one that lives in denver
1: kinda yeah i'm the i'm the uh the organizer i guess the point man point man's probably better
0: what well, was your idea so yep, I thought it was a good idea. Yeah.
1: So it looks good. I a bunch of folks, some folks that you you guys know, and I've got a few people sign up that I know too, as well. So it's going to be a fun group. Yeah, great.
2: I'm looking forward to it. Yep. Cool. So, right. Gary, Apple seemed to have something to say today. Yeah. Was, was
1: Apple, Did Apple talk? Yeah, there was a big uh, big announcement this morning. Unusual for Apple because they're getting into a whole new sector, Um, and they announced a bunch of new services today. Only one, you know, of all the stuff they announced today, everything was in the future, coming this summer, coming this fall. Um, the one thing that launched today, it already launched and I'm playing with it, is called Apple News Plus. That launched um, and is basically a magazine subscription service. They they bought a company a while back. Oh, the name slips me. I can't remember the name right now, but, they bought a company a while back that did this, um, and this obviously is the result of that. Uh, so you could subscribe for ten bucks a month, um, and in addition to the regular Apple News stuff, you get Apple News Plus, which is basically the full text, full pages of three hundred magazines, um, a couple newspapers, and a few website subscription services as well.
0: Hmm.
1: It all is great. Yeah, that's all you can eat. So, like, I already downloaded uh, a couple of magazines. Um, and I'm
2: they assuming were- they're magazines that we would recognize.
1: They are things like Time, Rolling Stone, uh, you know, Variety, Forbes, Hollywood Reporter, Entertainment Weekly. Wow. I'm glad to see because that's, that, that's a weekly one. that runs quite a bit if you subscribe to it. And um, – whole bunch of other yeah it yeah, makes, this sounds like a,
2: a big uh, a good deal financially if you're into any of those magazines. It only takes yeah. a couple for it to make uh, sense, oh yeah,
1: it only takes maybe two to about break even, maybe depending upon the magazine, and right. maybe three to go ahead, plus the fact I was really getting sick of the stacks you know of clutter that <laughs> that well, paper magazines take up right, and that was one of the main reasons that I just disliked getting magazines and reading them digitally is nice because you avoid that you don't have to if you're going to grab a couple to take on an airplane trip. You don't have to do that anymore. You can just have them on your iPad or actually it works across iPad and Macs and iPhone. Um, So that's nice. And it's family too. So like that $9.99 a month will actually get us, you know, get myself and my whole family all those magazines on all our devices. Um, That's kind of nice. And I was looking, browsing through it. Typical experience you would imagine looking through the different things they add a few extra little interactive bonuses there um but it's pretty cool i think you know the hope was that they would get like the new york times and the washington post and neither of those signed up uh what they did get was the wall street journal and the la times Hmm. so you do have
2: wall street journal alone pays for it right there yeah
1: you do have you have your financial one and you have your uh, like a regular big city daily um and it'd be interesting to see if, you know, the lineup changes over time. Uh, so, that's so can you
0: save articles and can you go back to,
1: I don't have issues that I think so. I don't, I haven't tried that much yet, like the bookmarking yeah. capability and that's all stuff in the app that I'm sure they could update, um, you know, to add that kind of thing. They have that kind of thing in other apps. So I would not be surprised. Um, yeah, so that's kind of cool. Um, I definitely you know I signed up for the free one month trial, and I think I would definitely extend that maybe through the summer uh, and see how much I use it for you know whether or not I keep spending ten bucks a month. Um, the other services they announced will come out later, so one of them is called uh, well i'll start with the one apple t v plus right so this is the one everybody was talking about for what's well, been like a year plus now uh it's basically apple's own TV network, exclusive content, big names, you know, they brought out Steven Spielberg, Oprah Winfrey, uh, you know, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, you know, just today, just to announce their shows they've got going on. Uh, So there'll be like Spielberg's got a new amazing stories uh, series. that's going to be on it. Um, I know there's a ton of other ones that have been reported because when you do TV series or movie production, you can't keep it secret, right? You know, those trade magazines in Hollywood. You know, there's casting calls and uh, location shoots and all that. So everybody pretty much knows there's going to be all these cool shows that Apple has paid to produce. And those will be exclusive content. They didn't say anything about a price for those yet. That's going to be in the fall. So we don't know if it's going to be 10 bucks a month or less or free if you have an Apple device you're watching on. They did say that these will be available on not just Apple devices, but they're going to make the Apple TV app available on like Roku and Amazon Fire TVs and Mm. pretty much, you know, all the Samsung and LG TVs, you know, smart TVs. So they're just branching out there.
2: Wouldn't surprise me if they made it available on everything except for the uh, Google uh, Chromecast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, maybe. You know, the Amazon thing isn't too surprising because it seems like Apple and Amazon have made nice over the last right few months right but google
2: just, and like, google and apple have not
1: yeah so maybe not so we'll have to see yeah. um the it, you we'll have to see that whole thing right a lot of people are talking about well i don't know i don't i'm not going to subscribe to that it's like well they didn't even mention if it was going to cost anything or much yet so you know hold hold off and plus it really only takes one show like for instance i heard one of the shows is going to be a tv series based on isaac asmos foundation mm. if that gets even moderate reviews. That's yeah. being decent. Uh, you know, take my money. I just want to see that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to not watch. You know,
2: it's funny because that's exactly that's exactly the path I went down for uh, Star Trek Discovery.
1: Right, right. And it's weird what Apple is doing in one respect. They they're not going to have any back catalog. If you think about it, Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon all started off with no original content. And a huge back catalog of stuff, right? I signed up for Netflix originally because I wanted to watch old British sitcoms, you know, like regular sitcoms that had been, you know, people had watched for years. They were on the BBC and ITV and all this stuff. And Netflix just decided they were going to have all those. And so it was worth it for me to get Netflix to watch like, you know, um, you know, these old shows. And then Netflix started adding their own stuff. And it was like, oh, okay, cool all the other ones did the same thing. Even CBS for, you know, they launched with Star Trek, but they still put all of their old content, some really old CBS owned shows. They put like, here's our entire catalog of the show on, you know, as part of the deal. Apple's going to be launching this with here's, you know, our five or 10 shows and that's it. There isn't a huge back catalog for you to watch. Um, So, I think it's going to be a big fundamental difference and it may be reflected in the price. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Um, I think the
2: whole streaming space is going to be real interesting over la- in the next two to three years just because there are so many players mm-hmm. um, to, to you know that either are or are entering the field, Disney being the other big one. And it's just a mess to try and figure out what services do I need to subscribe to, to see the shows that I want to see? And then what devices do I have to get in order to be able to see those services? We're going to be back to 500 channels, but they're going to be $10 each now. That too. Yeah. There's the, <clears throat> there's the cost of, there's the cost side of things, but you know, you're going to end up with, I mean, for a while we've been, been getting fewer and fewer devices as we can hook out, you know, like a laptop up to your TV or your, your Xbox or your Apple TV or your whatever. But now, you know, it sounds like I might have to have a Roku device in order to be able to see these services and a Google device to see those services. And it just, there's a lot of shaking out in the future, I think.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Well, definitely, I'd say Apple actually added to that confusion today because they also announced something called Apple TV Channels. And it allows you... That's very, different? It's different. It's a different thing. And it's, oh. it's very similar to Amazon. So Amazon, uh, Netflix and Amazon have a big difference in that Netflix is just Netflix. You, there's stuff on Netflix, and you get that stuff, and that's it. Amazon has their stuff, but they, you could also subscribe to various other services. Like I don't know if HBO is one of them or not. Maybe it is. It is. So you could go and subscribe to HBO through Amazon, and you could add a bunch of different things like HBO to your Amazon subscription. Apple's going to do that with Apple Apple TV channels. You'll be able to subscribe to HBO and Showtime and Epics and a bunch of other things. And there's really no, like, you can already do that through the Apple. If you have an Apple TV now or you have an iPad or, you know, whatever, you could already go and go to the apps for these different channels and subscribe individually. The only real difference will be is that maybe you, you'll have a list and you'll say, here are my subscriptions and check off which ones you want. And then it adds up the total. And, you know, you could. I don't know. Have a little more control over it. So we'll see. I've never used the Amazon thing where you can subscribe to different channels.
2: Right. I've, I've, we've got Amazon Prime, and we certainly watch a few things that way. <clears throat> but I've never subscribed to anything through it, um, as you described. I've just seen its availability.
1: Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. So that's that. That is going to add definitely add confusion to what's going on. Because uh, that'll be something that'll be on, actually, on Apple TV, I think. It may also be on all these other devices. So then you could get, like, a Roku, and you could subscribe to HBO through the HBO app, or you could subscribe to HBO through the Amazon app, or you could subscribe to HBO through the Apple TV app. Right. It's, right. Ugh, okay. Which,
2: which, to be honest, is brilliant on HBO's part. Yeah. Because that way they're not backing any specific player. They get they, their audience, you know, their 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 target audience is much, much bigger um, than any one segment because there are going to be people that have just an Apple TV and they're yeah. going to be people that have just a Roku. And there's going to be a lot of overlap, but there's also going to be a lot of things falling off the fringes, right? It's things that are on one but not the other. And HBO is doing the right thing by not being one of those.
1: But I, mean, I guess it's one less company you're giving money to. Although I, I think if you subscribe to HBO through the HBO app on your Apple TV, you're still giving your money through Apple. It's just maybe it'll be under one billing item. I don't know.
2: That'd be my suspicion. Yeah. Same thing with, with Amazon. I'm sure that it's all coming through your Amazon account normally as a single, you know, some kind of bundled service. I mean, you know, HBO's getting their money one way or another.
1: I'm going to be interested to see like the, the day after the last episode of game of Thrones airs this year. Yes. Uh, what the drop off is for HBO, because (laughs) I I mean, you know, I, I, I have HBO through my direct TV service and I, I I don't plan on dropping it, but like if somebody offered me money to drop HBO now, I'd be like, no, not now. But then as soon as game of Thrones is over, it's like, well, let me look, what do I watch on HBO? Well, nothing actually. So, okay.
2: It's funny. The, uh, um, I, one of the reasons that this whole streaming uh, conundrum is in the back of my mind is that, yes, after the last episode of um, Game of Thrones, I'm at least going to do some math. I'm going to fill out that spreadsheet that says, you know, which, um, which channels, which networks, which whatevers do I care about? Where do I get them? And what's the, uh, you know, what's the Venn diagram? Uh, where, you know, where's the biggest overlap? that uh, gets me most of what I want? And is it cheaper than what I'm paying now? And I think the answer is probably going to be yes. Mm -hmm. I think the answer, especially when you take a look at direct TV prices for the, for their full package that includes HBO, um, the more you can pick and choose, you may be able to do a better job elsewhere with streaming.
1: Yeah. I I actually did some of that math recently because there was, there's a way I forget if I was looking at uh, Google's, you know, YouTube offering or, one or the other, maybe Spectrum or something. If I wanted to drop DirecTV, go with one of these streaming solutions, even the DirecTV streaming solution, right? Right. Um, and I looked, at, and first you look at the basic package, and you think, okay, starting there, do I have most of what I want at way less. And then I started to add the few things, and the price started to get closer. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I remembered, oh, baseball. Um, <laughs> crap well, there's, there's not many options there. And so then if I do it with that package, then I'm really, I really am very close to what I'm paying already. So.
2: Now there is one value add that um, at least, well, Netflix just runs this way, but both Hulu and um, CBS all access have, and that's the ability to pay more for no commercials. Hmm. And you know, Going through that, because we've got CBS All Access, that's the way I went uh, to get Star Trek Discovery, and now when we watch some of our CBS shows, it's actually much nicer to watch them streaming, because we don't have to fiddle around with uh, fast-forwarding through commercials, or, or suffering through them one way or the other, right? They're just gone.
1: It's nice. Right. And yeah, and I have to say, I watch more commercials now than I did a few years ago, because of a lot of these services, they force you to watch the commercials. Yes. And it's interesting uh, they, they, they can't probably, keep
0: you from muting.
1: They can't keep you from muting or going to the bathroom or getting it, making a cup of coffee in the kitchen or something during it. But it, it is interesting that my minimum commercial watching was probably about five years ago and it's slowly increased since then. Um, so anyway, uh, Apple also did some other stuff. Uh, so here's an interesting one. It's even more confusing than the TV stuff. They introduced something called Apple Arcade, which won't be out till later in the year. And it's confusing because there are a bunch of different big name tech companies introducing a bunch of different gaming services and people are throwing them all together and say, Oh, Google's doing this and other companies are doing that. And then Apple's doing this and it's and making them sound like they're all competing. They're in fact, very different things. Uh, just before the show started, we were talking for a few minutes And, uh, one of you guys or both of you guys mentioned that Apple arcade was a game streaming service and it's not at all. So a game streaming service would be where the game is actually being played on a server somewhere and you're getting the video result of it. Um, which is really neat because then you don't have to worry about getting these expensive, you know, gaming PCs anymore. Uh, you can actually rely on the company's hardware and be playing on that and you're paying a subscription
0: And fee. then that video streams down. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Now, that it, is... It's streaming. Right. Now, Apple isn't doing that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Apple, Apple Arcade is a completely different thing. It is more like Netflix for games. They're going to offer about 100 games exclusively, and you, you download them just like a normal app, except you don't pay for them. You're paying a monthly subscription fee. So, you know, you, you look through this catalog of games. There's something kind of like this on the Xbox uh, where you have, there's a service there. So you look through this catalog of games and you say, oh, this one looks good. And because you subscribe, you, it doesn't cost you anything extra. You download it to your iPad or your iPhone or your Mac or your Apple TV. And you play the game. Uh, and you can do that with as many of those 100 games as you want. So it's like an all-you-can-eat subscription service for those games, and there'll be new games that'll come to it, and I assume games will be retired from it as well, um, and uh, and those games will be exclusive. So if there's a game that you like, that you know some developer you like or some franchise you like comes out with, and it's on Apple Arcade, you you're going to have to subscribe to the service at least while you play that game. Uh, it gets rid of the in-app purchase stuff. You know, there's none of that. There's no ads. Um, So it'll be really cool. It'll solve a big problem for parents because some of those games will be geared towards kids. And right now, parents have to cringe every time their kids play one of these games on a device and then there's advertisements being thrown at their kids all the time because it's a free game. Um, It also solves a big problem for game developers, uh, game developers that are larger than me, you know, that have maybe small teams, uh, where they're concerned about, will will they make enough sales to... Actually, you know, get a return on their investment for developing the game. But I assume, you know, if they're picked up by Apple Arcade, uh, you know, as their publisher, and then they go in and make this game, then they'll probably do pretty well because Apple will probably keep the number of games pretty low in there uh, so titles don't get lost. And they previewed a bunch of the games and they look really cool, really more, more premium, high quality stuff, like upper end things. Uh,
0: and I would assume the game publishers would be paid according to how much people play those games.
1: Exactly. Percentages. And there were people predicting, you know, I tell a lot, uh, if you want to go and look around on the internet for naysayers, people predicting that, oh, so game developers are just build in delays in their games or things that just take a long time that shouldn't just to get more time. But, you know, with Apple keeping a tight leash on what goes into this service, I don't think that's going to happen. Um and i don't really think even as a game developer myself that that is the right way to go if you if i was to go and say well if i made this part of the game 10% slower i will make 10 more 10% more money wouldn't actually pan out if i made it 10% slower i would lose more than 10% of the players well, and and
2: we're, you're making the assumption that they'll be um, keeping track of playing time. And that's certainly one thing they could keep track of. But mm-hmm. they could also be making it much more simple than that. To, you
1: know, they could be. P- I think you know, it is supposed to be playing time, though. But, is it? Yeah. And another interesting thing they said was, you know, when they said, you know, I, you know, iPads, iPhones, Macs, and Apple TV. And the way they said it made me think that all of the games on Apple arcade are going to be available across all of those devices. Like any title can be played on any of those devices, which is interesting because then you've got devices that have touch screen of different sizes too. Then you've got a, you know, cursor and keyboard device, the Mac, and you've got a remote control device, Apple TV. Now Apple has been pushing developers really big time to develop things to be cross platform when possible. And it makes me wonder if, if you want to be in this Apple arcade thing, you do need to go and make your game work across all of those platforms. I could be wrong. It could be that there's 10 games for Apple TV and 80 games for iOS and 10 games for Mac uh, or a few that just go across two of those platforms. But I got this feeling and it would be great if it's true that you could play it on all of them. So you could be playing on your big screen TV for a while and then decide to continue playing on your iPad uh, or pick up where you left off.
2: So Apple Arcade sounds like essentially nothing more than a distribution mechanism.
1: Yep. Yeah. Publishing, a game publishing platform.
2: What, so the alternatives that we know of, things like the one that Google just announced um, and some of the existing alternatives, how do they compare?
1: Well, they would be much, probably much more hardcore games like the, like the ones you and I play, you know, I just finished playing Red Dead Redemption 2 are k- games that are probably more there um, instead of the more invented, creative kind of adventure style games that you play on iOS. Uh, and they would be the ones that would require lots and lots of power, processor power and graphics power. And that's why they're available streaming rather than on a local device.
2: So, Google's is a true streaming service.
1: Yeah, I believe. Describing earlier, I believe what these other ones are. Whenever they say game streaming, is that it is you know you're playing on a powerful game machine that's somewhere in a server rack, and you're just you know getting the video. You're you're providing the inputs and getting the outputs from it. Um, Very different, also very it's very cutting edge. Like there are a lot of people that just don't have the uh, low latency connections right. or bandwidth to be able to do that. Whereas Apple's thing is completely plausible right, right now with just about anybody that has any decent bandwidth at all. You, it's you funny
2: that that's one of the things that always amazed me about uh, world of Warcraft, which I play mm-hmm. in that they split the load. You want a fairly powerful PC or Mac or whatever to play it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's responsible for keeping things feeling Smooth, but the actual connection can have some amazing latency from time to time and uh, still have a relatively playable game. Uh, it's the server side that's just keeping track of all the disparate objects um, and how they're interacting, but the actual rendering is happening on your machine,
1: right? And you think of how inexpensive game consoles could get with game streaming. Right. I mean you have fire TVs that are, you know, on sale for twenty bucks or forty bucks here and there right. and Roku's. And really you don't need much more than that because they play back high definition streams and you can right. the but you, through them.
2: I mean the the choke point, as you point out, is the internet connection. Right. I've, and and lots of people don't have that. Um yeah. certainly not the, the it's not it's not even anymore about bandwidth. Uh, it's about as you point out latency. How quickly do those uh, do those bits get back and forth? Um, so yeah,
1: interesting. So Apple Arcade, yeah, very different service. Very much more I think 2019 than the streaming services, which are probably more like 2021 uh, type things. And um, and that was that is the main stuff for like content and everything. Uh, the other deal was uh, financial. <laughs> Apple is going in, kind of going into the credit card business. I mean, they still have a bank, uh, Goldman Sachs in this case, backing them. They still have a credit card network, MasterCard, backing them. But Apple seems to be doing a lot more than your typical, oh, it's a corporate card that you know, has, a, has their logo on it. Um, they talked a lot about privacy uh, in there. They talked a lot about the fact that the main way that you'll be using this is as Apple Pay on your, on your phone. That's like the main thing you do. With it. But in fact, you get 2% cash back when you use your phone to make a purchase like Apple Pay, whereas you would only get 1% cash back if you actually have to pull the card out uh, that they give you and use that as a regular credit card. Um, and the interesting thing about the card is there's nothing but your name on it, there's no <laughs> credit card number on it at all. So, you lose is there a chip? So you could there's use There's a it? chip. There's a chip. Okay. So the idea is that, you know, it's a little more secure than normal. I could just, you know, some of the places you go though, you, still today you run into a thing where they don't have any modern stuff, right? They got to slide the card through and then the car doesn't, you know, the machine is really flaky. So then the guy has to like type in the numbers and you still run into Well, yeah. on this, well, you, the thing is you could pull out your phone, go to the Apple wallet app and bring up the number and you're, you know, code and your expiration date and all that. So if you need to, it, you know, you could do it, but you just, I wonder if
0: those would be one time numbers. That's the one thing. I I believe they are the apps.
1: Yeah, I believe they said they are. So, so the thing is, though, you just—it's more of a hassle if you find yourself in that situation where it's like you're going to be communicating a lot more with the person behind the cash register than you normally would.
0: But you um, still can use it. That's that's you neat.
1: Still can use it, and then you get three uh, percent back if you're buying something from Apple. So if you buy mm-hmm. a new Mac or your, your iTunes, whatever it is, or you know you're going to get three percent back, which is makes it pretty good. And then Apple's doing a lot of privacy stuff saying, hey, we're, we're not going to know what you bought and how much you bought, you know, how much it was for or whatever. Um, Goldman Sachs, they admit, will know, but they're not allowed to do anything with it. They can't sell it or do anything.
2: But that's pretty much like any other credit card company, right?
1: Well, is it? I thought that part of some, a lot of these cards uh, do resell your stuff. Interesting. your, your data, your, that's how like people know things about you. Like marketing companies know that you like this or you, you know, you drive this type of car and you, you know, I don't know, you have a Blu-ray player and you, all this stuff is because that information is sold. Um, about your purchases. So
2: interesting. I was wondering how it differs from something like the Amazon credit card that I carry, right? It's mm-hmm. Amazon branded, but it's a chase card and what it's and, and they have a tight relationship with chase. I mean, there's a, you know, you get points and money back and all that kind of stuff, depending on the kind of purchases you're making the whole, the whole nine yards. And it's very easy and integrated to use those points when you're checking out at Amazon. I'm just wondering if that's really that dramatically different from Apple having a yeah. branded card with Goldman Sachs um and having you know some characteristics of that relationship that may you're right may very well include enhanced privacy but um but it seems like it's pretty much the same setup technically
1: yeah i I might be um your cash back is put back onto the so there's there's a the thing called uh, Apple pay Cash right where I could actually charge up my um charge up my Apple Pay account with with money and then have money that I could do things like send to friends, you know, help split the bill at dinner, that kind of thing, or actually go and pay for something like a store and say, I'll just use Apple Pay Cash instead of going through a credit card. Um, the cash back goes into that. so And it does that every day. So you make a couple purchases and next thing you know, you've got like $10 or $50 of Apple Pay Cash sitting on your in your account. And then you could be at the store and buy some groceries and say, Oh, Hey, I've actually got enough money in Apple pay cash to cover this. And then that's how you could use your, your cash back. Interesting. That is more
2: flexible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, just, and and they made a big deal about getting it back every day. I'm trying to, I guess the points I get now for my cards are monthly. Um, they also made a big deal about, it seemed like trying to help people stay out of debt. So, They said uh, uh, one of the things you could do is you could adjust your payments and see, instead of just seeing minimum payment, you know, uh, full payment, um, you could see like, oh, what if I did something in the middle? Like how much interest would I be paying? Uh, That kind of thing. And, you know, they said to encourage you to make better decisions. Um, And also you could vary how often you make payments. So you don't have to go with a monthly payment thing. You could actually go with, say, every other week, or it seemed like they had other options too, like every week, to lower the amount you pay in interest by paying more often uh, than than monthly. Um, So that's kind of interesting. I mean, I guess it's Apple's, if the credit card companies want you to pay that interest, they want to keep you in debt. But Apple doesn't necessarily want to. They want you to have money so you could buy more stuff from Apple. <laughs> so, so it's kind of a weird, it's like, okay, so one partner in this is Goldman Sachs, who wants you to have, uh, you know, a balance on your card. And the other partner is Apple that probably actually refers to you didn't, you know, that you had a nice, clean, no balance card the next time you happen to see the Apple store, you know, in your mall <laughs> and, and think, oh, hey, maybe I'll pick up a new MacBook Air. What the hell? I've got n- nothing on my credit card right now. So it'd be interesting to see that's coming out later in the year. Um, and yeah, that pretty much sums up most of uh, what so Apple. So the
0: question that comes to my mind. Yeah. And Google also really pushes people to use the, the Google pay app rather than just using your credit card. What does it they get for you using the app? That they would, would be willing to give you more cash back. I don't really know if that's if fraud. I
1: mean, I, so I, I heard a, w- a while ago, years ago, that you know, their margins are affected a lot by fraud, right? You go yeah, and sure. you say, oh, you call them and say, somebody, there's a charge, it's not me. And they go and they say, oh, yeah, okay, uh, sure. A lot of times they don't get that back, right? Somebody bought a TV at Walmart and somebody's got to pay you know that that tv's not coming back so you you're getting covered so you didn't pay anything for it um so somebody's losing money there if
0: i, they, I thought usually it was the merchant
1: yeah i don't know well but the as, I, as a
0: former merchant who
2: has been down this path
1: yeah
2: it's the merchant
1: it is okay so yeah, i mean there there's, also there's that uh you know and and of course using apple pay is going to make it very less likely or almost impossible to, to actually run into that situation. So there's that um, and that might uh, account for the difference.
2: My belief is that it does in fact boil down to um, almost a, a, um, an actuarial analysis of things like um, fraud or other kinds of payment failures depending on the kind of Uh, the method that the transaction was handled. I know back in the day for us, uh, back at my wife's doll shop, we paid a higher rate uh, when we had to drag out the old, what we call the knuckle buster, right? The old thing where they took the physical card and ran it over a piece of, you know, ran a piece of carbon paper Mm -hmm. form through it that cost us more percentage wise than if we were able to verify the card online. Similarly calling in instead of verifying it, using the, the physical card in our hands, cost us more so my and my suspicion then is that because the the security is enhanced the loss is less which means there's more money to split amongst the people that are processing the transactions which means ultimately google gets a slightly bigger cut if you actually use the app
1: okay Okay, well that that's my guess. Yeah, no, I, I. It's I agree. it's
0: a valid well, guess. I I think that's probably right on. Um, just speaking of credit cards and stuff, um, I was in Las Vegas last week. Went into a Kroger store, and noticed on the little pin pads for running your credit card, there was a little sign on saying, you know, starting such and such date, we're not going to take Visa anymore yeah. because of yeah. the high costs. Yep which really surprised me.
1: Well, there's a little war going on. I mean, I don't think that's yeah. going to last, right? Visa was the one card that you pretty much was taken everywhere. You travel around the world, wherever you go, you know, maybe they burn express, you know, half the time mastercard 90% of the time. And visa was like, Oh, a hundred percent of the time. That's your backup. And now all of a sudden major supermarket chain in the U S and some par- in some States isn't taking it. Right. Really weird. Yeah, my
2: concern. I mean, Kroger owns uh, the chains that are up here too. Uh, Fred Meyer, uh, QFC, in, in the Seattle area, and my concern is that yeah, that's uh, that, that same thing is going to happen up here. And like I mentioned earlier, my uh, my primary credit card is a Chase Amazon Visa. And yeah, that's what we. That's that's my default payment method in Google Pay. I mean, all that kind of stuff.
1: My. My my feeling is that the reason it hasn't happened, like in Denver, for instance, I don't know what the situation in Seattle. I think it's the same thing. I think you guys have a Kroger. I don't know what what brand of Kroger you've got, but you also have Safeway, right? Yes. Oh yeah. 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 And my feeling is that some of the places where they're not accepting Visa now, they're the primary, like you know, supermarket, and they're not going to have people going somewhere else. Here in Denver, pretty much every almost every uh, King Super's. Which is a Kroger uh, brand is um, paired with the Safeway that's in the same neighborhood mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. if they were to ban visa here, then a lot of people would simply say, "Oh well, I'll just go across the street and and for me, literally it's across the street the, the King <laughs> Supers to the Safeway I would well, that's my reason why I go to Safeway today because I can't use my visa at, at the supers um that's why they're not doing it, and the whole thing I think is just a game I mean they're just trying to get visa to change something to change what it, their rate or policy or whatever
2: what it reminds me of and i'm not sure if you've seen this yet gary or not since you're a direct tv customer
1: yes uh, i know what you uh, will say <laughs>
2: uh, a couple of channels i think comedy central is one of them it happens to be the one we we're looking at is running that crawl at the bottom that says hey this channel is about to go away unless you call this number and start complaining to direct tv to make a deal with us so I yep. think it's a lot of it's posturing to try and uh, you know to try and get a better. Oh
1: sure, I, and they and every other year it seems like some group of channels has the same thing. Yep. And it's the same little negotiation, and I, I always feel just leave me out of it. <laughs> really, I just leave me out of it. It's you guys are negotiating something, and I understand the channel is trying to get me to. To do you know direct t v fight to, back yeah, yeah direct t v would usually fight back, I haven't checked, but they'll usually be if you flip through the channel guide, there'll be a whole channel that'll suddenly appear that will be like get try to get your attention, and they'll have something on there from direct t v saying this is this is why you know we're being strong armed by these channels that want to raise your bill, and then the programming going through direct t v gets these little things over the top of the screen saying. TV is not being fair with us. And it's like, just leave me out of it. I, uh, you guys negotiate and figure out. You always seem to anyway. I'm not writing anybody. I'm not emailing anybody. I will, I will find another way to get this program. <laughs> if, yeah, I
2: was going to say, it could make some of those streaming decisions a little later on a little easier.
1: Exactly. Yep. So. Yeah. So anyway. All right. So what else do we have? Yeah. Let's talk other stuff.
2: Well, this seems incredibly low-tech in comparison to all the stuff we've been talking about so far, but it's actually an interesting one and honestly something that parents ought to be aware of. Um, There was an article in The Atlantic uh, a couple weeks ago, I think. The hottest chat app for teens is... Now, I'll reveal it in a second here, but when we're talking about chat apps, we're thinking about things like WhatsApp or Signal or or um, even Skype or any of the others that are out there. Um, uh, TikTok, Facebook Messenger. Facebook Messenger. Uh-huh. Uh, there's so, so many. The hottest one is Google Docs. Now, <laughs> it's weird you don't think of Google Docs as being a chat application, and yet it is. In fact, to quote Marge, we're soaking in it. We uh, listeners who've been with us for a while know that we take a lot of we keep a lot of notes in preparation for this show, in a shared Google document. And what most people don't realize is that when you share a Google document, you also have a companion chat window that can be can be easily opened up with a single click and importantly closed with a single click. And you know we will occasionally chat between ourselves uh, during the show to make sure we're doing all the right things. We might make some um, in- like Gary and I are talking behind your back or
1: in- making in- jokes. In- <laughs>
2: remarks is what I was going to say uh, <laughs> We had the option to uh, to tell somebody to shut up because they were taking too long and that <laughs> hasn't happened yet um, more importantly, we can, we can we can exactly more importantly though, we keep track of things like the start time so we know when we're running low and that are long and that kind of thing. point being though that it is absolutely um normal for kids in school to have Google Docs open because a lot of information is being distributed using Google Docs. A lot of work is legitimately being done in Google Docs. But what a lot of teachers and parents don't realize is that the kids understand how this chat thing works. And it's very easy, very quick to open up and start chatting amongst themselves. And it's incredibly easy to hide when the teacher walks by. So it's just something, again, to be aware of, that uh, sometimes the uh, the tools that we use for one thing can be repurposed in some interesting ways that you may not have thought of. And uh, like I said, Google Chalk, I mean, to be honest, it's a fine chat app. I mean, what, what I type shows up on their screens and what they, sh- you know, what they type shows up on mine. That's all you really need out of a chat app. Uh, so yeah, Google Docs is is one. Something to be aware of, something to uh, to snicker over, I guess. <laughs>
1: Cool. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, I'll have to ask my teen about that because they she, definitely use Google Docs for uh, for school stuff. Right. Uh, matter of fact, uh, she will sometimes uh, want me to look at something and she'll send me a Google Doc link. And I'll be like, I don't have access to that, to that document. Um, so you oh, because she has shared it, right. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you send me the link all you want. I don't have access to it because she's used to everybody. You know, she needs having access to those things. Right. And not thinking about access, but uh, yeah, so makes sense.
2: So, Randy, you had a follow up for us.
0: Yeah, I have a couple. Um, episode fifty eight, we talked about AT and T faking five G on their phones. They they call it five G evolution, and, and they just are adding this to phones, and they got highly criticized for it, including by us. And apparently, there's a uh, a company that does. Um, speed testing and stuff it's called open signal and they did a little study and said you know this 5g it isn't even as fast as verizon and t-mobile's 4g so i just love that they're getting slapped from all sides in- and yeah <laughs> at&t you know disputes their methodology and all that, blah 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 blah, blah but you know If it's not 5G, don't call it 5G. I was going to say,
2: fake is fake no matter what, right? Call it what you want. It's not 5G.
0: And then AT&T got it on the other side. We've talked about robocalls most recently in uh, episode 55. And the CEO of AT&T was giving a presentation in Washington, D.C. when he got a call on his private uh, cell phone and he looked on his watch to see who was calling, and he, he announced to the crowd he was getting a robocall. <laughs> so you know they, they are working on it, and they are they are trying to fix this, but not fast enough. Yeah, I, I just like seeing that we're keeping this robocall issue in the news because it really is a big bad thing. We're talking tens of millions of these, or excuse me, tens of billions of these calls every year. It's, it's just nuts, and we got to stop it.
2: Yep, yep. How many have you gotten today?
0: I get surprisingly few. Um, I think I got one or two today, and basically – if I see a number that I don't recognize, I just don't answer it. And of course they don't leave a message because they're not real people.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And it's same thing here. I've had like one or two today um, and it's exact same scenario. It's a, it's a number I don't recognize. I don't answer it because I've got um, actually Google voice handling my voicemail. I have a record of it all, you know, Mm -hmm. in my Google voice log, but um, again, never any voicemail or
0: occasionally um, they'll leave me 30 seconds of silence. Yeah, and I actually have had robocalls leave messages. Usually, they they start it too soon because right during my greeting, and they they don't get the first part in there. But it's like, really, you you think I'm going to call you back? Really? <laughs>
2: Did we talk about the uh, the uh, messages that are left in Chinese? I think we did one time, but yeah, yeah remind us on that. There was there in the Seattle area specifically. They're actually targeting uh, several of the area codes in that cover this area, and uh, leaving messages in Chinese. And apparently, it's because we have a higher than average Chinese population, and uh, the messages are apparently some kind of a passport or visa scam, targeted specifically at those folks. Uh, you know, you pick up they're the phone and scare them trying to scare them into doing something much like, you know, the IRS scams try to, you know, uh, scare us and do all that kind of thing. But the, uh, um, you know, you'll, you'll listen to the voicemail because you never pick up the phone, but you listen to the voicemail and they'll leave it and you can't understand a word of it because it's all in Chinese. You're not their target audience, but they don't know that. You just live in the target area code.
1: Right. It makes, it, it somehow makes sense because if you do speak Chinese, then you probably have been getting all of these scam calls in English for all this time. <laughs> and then, and, well, and then you get one that's actually in Chinese and you think, well, wait a minute. Must be real. Yeah, well, I should at least listen to this because if somebody's calling me in Chinese, then they, there's a connection, a piece of information they, they know about me. Know. It's yeah. like, oh, you see all the time on um, you know, uh, scams reported online when uh, people are amazed that, well, I thought, usually I just ignored the scam, but they knew my name. Or they knew something about me that you know it's pretty easy to figure out, um,
0: including old passwords, which may oh, yeah, to be old in a lot of cases.
1: Oh yeah, and yeah. a lot of these scam ones, yeah, will come out and uh, yeah, there's there's tons of stuff like that. So the Chinese thing makes sense that there's just it, it will only work for you know this year or next year or whatever but it's something new a new element to be actually there. it'll work for a
2: really long well, yeah. time and i say that because i mean we've had this discussion before not here on the show but we've had this discussion before elsewhere that um, the nigerian scam continues and it's such a well known scam how could anybody possibly fall for it and yet people continue to
1: i guess well, i guess what i'm saying with the chinese scam is that in english there was probably like 1/100th one of a percent chance of them getting somewhere with the scam in English. It was probably double that, like two one hundredths of a chance when with Chinese because it was new. Eventually that rate will fall and it'll be equivalent to the English rate because it won't be an unusual thing to actually okay, hear sure. those scams in Chinese.
2: They'll come yeah. up with something new.
1: Oh yeah, they always yeah. do. And you know what I'm really afraid of? One day this is going to happen. So many people rely on the fact that scams, especially scam emails, phishing attempts and stuff, have misspelled things in them or unusually, you know, unusual grammar or something. And they'll always go and say, oh, I knew it was a scam right away because of the way they didn't capitalize this or they, you know, this was a weird sentence or something. And it's like, oh, but watch out because one day the scammers are going to decide we're going to send out stuff in perfect English with yeah. everything perfect. And if you're relying on grammar and spelling to be the way you differentiate scams from real stuff one day that's it's going to be the chinese thing it's going to be the new thing that is going to maybe get you trapped in one of these
2: well-written spam
1: it's it's going to happen it's going (laughs) no it's going to happen when they once they get to the point where they need that extra push to make it worthwhile they will send it out they are perfectly capable of doing it now they just don't need to uh, to, you know, get their quota of of people falling for them. Sounds good. Yeah. There's oh. always
0: something new. Yeah. So every time I mention that we have an email notification service when we get a new episode published, um, Kevin says, oh, just get a podcast app. There are a lot of people that use the email notification. Even though we didn't do an episode last week, 17 people signed up just this month for the email notification. Woo-hoo. So, you know, if that's what you need, that's what you want, use it. Podcast apps are better, sure. But, you know, if you just want to stream it from the show page, don't worry about it. You can.
2: Better for some definition of better. To be honest, I mean, I I, I now no longer carry a podcast app on my phone, mostly because I wasn't using it. If I want to listen to something, yeah. well, in, in our case, I'll visit the website. It's just that easy.
0: Yep. All right. Well, the show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh63. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at The TEH Podcast. Tell a friend about TEH if you would. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again here next week. Bye. Bye. Later. Bye.